0: This is part two of my ongoing sermon series, uh, Fruit of the Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about joy, joy, the joy of God, the joy of Jesus Christ that is within your heart uh, that God has given you. And, and so the question becomes, why is it that today this joy is lacking in so many churches and in so many Christians? Why do I see people scowling and unhappy uh, as they walk around when I know that if they're saved, God has put the joy of his spirit in their hearts. Well, we're going to talk about that today uh, and hopefully get some insights about it. You know, the first three uh, fruit of the spirit, love, joy, and peace, are like a triplet. They kind of link together. Uh, and, and Jesus spoke about this in his farewell address in his conversations with his disciples. And if you look at John chapter 14, verse 27, you'll see the following. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What a great statement that is. Do not be troubled and do not be afraid. This is what he's saying to us as his disciples. Then look at John 15, verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. There it is. God has given us his joy. It is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It is within us. And so the question is, what's our responsibility to turn this on, to exhibit it to a lost world? You see, joy and peace are like twins. They come together. Paul is particularly fond of these two words. And as I I did my research for the sermon... I found that Paul speaks of joy 21 times and peace 43 times in his letters. Can you imagine? That's how permeating these two concepts are in our theology. Now these are not just happy feelings, all right? It's not like God wants you to walk around like you've had a lobotomy. You understand? That's not what this is about. This is a deep, profound feeling that sits there all the time, even as you go through difficult times. And you will go through difficult times. You're going to have health failure and relational failure and financial failure because all of that exists in this world. But underneath it all, permeating it all, is the joy, the fruit of the Spirit that God has given us. This is a sign of a deep, Christian relationship with God. Uh, And joy and peace are two signs that you are committed to God, that you are related to God, that you have the Spirit of God within you. These concepts are just as important as righteousness. Listen with what I just said. They are just as important as righteousness. God commands us, to be joyful. He expects us to be joyful. Because let me ask you, how do you think you're going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? You think it's going to be like this, why don't you come to my church? <laughs> you're going to see a lot of happy people. You? You? You're the poster child for the joy of the Spirit? And I've been in these kind of churches, all right? I've been there. I've seen it. I, and, and that's not what you find here. You're going to find in this church the overwhelming expression of the joy of God. All right? That's why I embrace you when you come in and why other people do the same. You're going to be loved here, and this is what God expects. This is the command of God. We are to please God with joy, not in solemn anxiety. And let me get that out of the way. I know a lot of you have been brought up in churches that said, oh, If you're religious, you have to be solemn. You have to be solemn. You have to be pious. Yes, you have to be pious, but you're not to be solemn. You're supposed to jump and be joyful at the throne of God. You do it in your singing. You embrace him in every way. We are full of the joy of the Spirit of God, Uh, and it is the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit within us that we live like that. And so, if you're not living like that today, this is a time for self-examination, certainly as we take communion. Now, these words are not just describing a cheerful, contented, emotional state. Let's get that out of the way. All right? It's not just putting a happy face on, because sometimes we're not happy. Sometimes we can't put a happy face on. But the thing is, is that despite it all, we have the underlying joy of the spirit of God. Why? Because we know he saved us, because we know we're going to heaven, because we know we're going to be joined with our family that has preceded us this. And, you know, these examples exist in this world. It's like having a great family where you celebrate great events. Think about those great and affirming times that you've had that in your life with friends, And family, but even more so, the joy as fruit of the Spirit of God is even more intense. More intense. And I'll give you a perfect example for me, and I believe for others. It's when I know I'm coming to church on Sunday. When I'm coming here, I know I'm going to see my family. And this family is even far more intense than my flesh family that the family that God is giving me in this world, because these are people that I'm going to be joining together with him in eternity. And I can't wait to come to church. And I can't wait to sing those songs because those songs touch my heart. And as they touch my heart, I am filled to joy, so much so that I have tears in my eyes. Well, John, what kind of joy is that that you have tears in your eyes? It's the joy of of knowing that he reached out across eternity and saved me. Can you imagine? Poor, wretched me, and yet he came to me, just like he came to you, and he reached out and he saved you. And not only did he save you, he put his spirit in you that would guide you and lead you and bring others to Christ. My voice is choked up with gratitude. You can't explain that kind of joy. Now, joy is also having a future, you understand. I am filled up with joy as I look at God's creation all around me, what he did uh, in so many ways. This is his creation. I love it, and I enjoy it. Uh, Why did Paul tell the Gentile Christians at Rome to rejoice? Now, here they are under the boot of Rome. You can imagine uh, that they're suffering and they're persecuted, and yet he told them in this letter in Romans, rejoice. Rejoice. Well, what did they have to be joyful about? Well, very simply, this is it. They were filled with joy because they had now become part of a new family, the family of God. They were united with God forever. They belonged to God's own people. He had pulled them apart and pulled them out. They had now a new entire set of relationships because of the Lord Jesus Christ and his reconciling death on the cross. That's what they had to be joyful about. Now, Paul made this point even more emphatically to the Gentile Christians uh, in Ephesus. He First, he reminded them of what they used to be. Look, if you would, uh, before they had faith in Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that at that time, you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. You were alienated in every way from God. Remember that. That's what you were. That's what you were as well. Uh, And so uh, they were not a part of the kingdom of God. They were not a part of the work of God and the redemption of God and the promises of God. They been not, did not belong to the family of God. Uh, they did not have a very joyful place to be. But now, Paul says, everything has changed. Look at what he says in Ephesians 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers." but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household staff. Members of his household staff. That's how close you are to God now. That's why you are to be joyful, to know that's what he's given you. Now, these, those who were outside were now brought in. Uh, Those who were excluded from the family of God were now attached and included as family members. Uh, The Gentiles had not only become part of God's family, they were citizens of heaven, really. Uh, And there was certainly a critical reason uh, to be joyful. Christian believers, no matter what their personal circumstances are, no matter what their suffering or going through, have a whole new family through the salvation experience with Jesus Christ. Now, this does not mean that everything is nice and rosy and you're walking on a bed of roses. That's not life in this world. This is a hard world. This is a world still controlled by Satan, and you need to be aware of that. Uh, it does not mix and mend all of the brokenness that we go through or fix all the problems that we suffer. But there is a joy in belonging to the family of God through Jesus Christ, in the midst of sorrow and dysfunctionality. It's there, it's underneath, it abides us, and it carries us from day to day. There is a joy that is deeper than just feeling happy because everything is going well. Well, guess what? There's going to be many days when everything is not going well, and don't think I don't know what you're going through. Don't think my heart hurts doesn't hurt for you because I know the health issues that you're you're dealing with. We're an older congregation. We suffer like that and my heart hurts for you even as I pray for you. But here's the thing. God has still given you his joy. It's there. He wants you to know he's with you. He walks with you. You're going to be with him and one day you're going to be in heaven with him as well. You have now joined the largest family in the history of world of the world the family of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, you see, spoke about this in John in the story of the prodigal son. And Jesus used this as a perfect example of what the kingdom is like. And you know the story of the prodigal son. There the young man is who decides he wants to cut off his relationship with his father and says, give me my inheritance and I will go out in the world. Even though he wasn't entitled to his inheritance, he got your inheritance when your father died. But he made this demand because he was outside of the will of God, and so the father gave him the inheritance. And so the young man goes out into a strange uh, country and dissipates all of the money, and he winds up being in a pig pit, eating the food fit for pigs. Now, if you were a first-century Jew, this was akin to being in hell. Never mind that you didn't eat pork. Now you're in the very pit with, with pigs and eating the food that pigs ate. And he comes to his senses, you see. And he says, are not the servants in my father's house even better off than I am? And so he comes back. He says, I'll go back to my father and beg him to forgive me. And as he walks back to his father, Jesus tells a story as the father saw him from afar off and starts running to him, even as he has robes. And he's running, even with those robes on. And it embraces him and loves him. Uh, and he puts a ring on his finger. And he said, here, my son who is lost has now come home. And Jesus said, this is exactly what it's like with God and the angels. When they see that you've accepted Christ, when they see that you've come back into the kingdom of God, all of heaven rejoices. And that joy needs to be in your heart as well as you reflect on it. And Jesus told two other stories in that same uh, issue with scripture. He talked about the lost sheep and he talked about the lost coin. In both instances, uh, effectively, God reaching out for the one, for the one, for the one. Uh, And so you see this, this joy in heaven that takes place, that permeates throughout heaven when we come back to God. Now, the Old Testament has no embarrassment, really, about celebrating the good gifts of God. And this is important for us to remember. Uh, What God gives us is to be received, with joy and thanksgiving. This list includes the gifts of the law, the commandments, the annual gift of harvest, uh, the word of God itself through scripture and through the prophets, the building of the temple, uh, the king, David, and those that followed him, and all of the ordinary gifts of life, uh, such as work and marriage and beauty and nature and bread and food, and yes, even wine, all given to us by the graciousness of God. Now, Christians become so inured to the blessings of God that we become dull, and we become self-centered, and we don't thank God and realize what he's doing for us Uh, because God expects you to take extraordinary pleasures in the ordinary gifts of God in your life. You have to do this. You have to make a a toast and do this in your mind. Uh, We cannot, uh, we must allow ourselves to be filled with the overflowing joy of God in our lives. Now, such spiritual joy must also be morally clean. And let me emphasize this. God warned Israel not to be attempted uh, by the celebrations of the Canaanites who were debauched Uh, in their joy of the Canaanite festivals. And this is important for us. This is what separates us from the world. We have joy uh, that unlike the world has, that does not include drunkenness, gluttony, and idolatry. We have joy because we have the joy of the Spirit of God. Uh, And the world does not understand, really, this as they engage in bacchanals. Uh, When they awake the next day and are sickened and hungover. Let me ask you something. What kind of joy is it where at midnight you were drinking and toasting and jumping around and then 8 o'clock in the morning you can't even get out of bed because your head hurts so much? What kind of joy is that? Well, you see, that's the joy of humanity. Fleeting joy. Not the kind of joy of God. All right? That's why we go to bed at New Year's Eve at 8.30. 30. We've already celebrated, all right? Because I want to get up early, 5 o'clock the next day, to go to church because I know that's where I'm going to have my real joy. This is how we live, you understand? This is what God says. It's not sinful excess that gives you joy. It's not sinful excess in terms of what the world gives you, full of immorality uh, and improper worship. Instead, we celebrate the joy of God. Uh, are we able to celebrate our joy in Christmas like that? Uh, and, can, and when you see what's happened to our, our Christian holidays, they've been wrecked in many ways by the world because the world has written about how you should celebrate, right? How she should celebrate. And, and, and they kind of write the story. Well, that story is not true. We celebrate in our hearts and our spirits with God. That's the kind of celebration we have where we're lifted up in our spirit, where we're full of joy. Look at the example of Jesus himself. Here is a man who was able to enjoy a good party. He was able to enjoy a wedding banquet. And he was able to eat with his friends. Jesus enjoyed a good party. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You know, I grew up in a church. I've said it before. I loved the church I was with. But they had, they had a, an excessive legalism. And when I was a kid, I couldn't even go to see the Ten Commandments. All right? I couldn't go to see and why couldn't I go? Because my father said if Jesus comes back, he's not walking into a movie theater. And so that's why we're putting the the Ten Commandments on a screen in church. So for all of you who couldn't go into the movie theater to see it, now we're making it right. All right? Because I want you to understand, God loves you. He wants you to see the Ten Commandments. He wants you to bring family and friends. He wants you to celebrate this kind of event. Look at what Jesus said himself about himself. Look at Matthew 11, verse 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collector's, and sinners. Can you imagine that the world would say that about our Lord and Savior, even as he engaged with the lost people of the world? Yes, he celebrated. He celebrated with what God gave him. He celebrated the very festivities that God gave him, and that's what God wants us to do, to show the world that we have that kind of joy, that we can embrace them in that kind of a way. Look, it's a very sad fact today that at Christmas and Thanksgiving, It can be some of the craziest times of the years, especially for elders, elderly, or for people who are alone uh, in a community. Uh, And and instead of being uplifted, they're depressed because the world has written how we are to feel, what the message is from the world. Uh, And yet joy is a feast. It is a feast. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate Easter Easter. That's why we celebrate having a movie day, because it's what God has given us. It's a time to come together and lift each other up. Look, the gospel means good news, good news. And good news brings joy just by what it is, right? Good news. So if the biblical gospel is the best and greatest message ever to be given to this world, then there is no greater joy than knowing the gospel. And you know it, and you need to spread it to a lost world. The gospel tells us about what Christ did for us, how he's reconciled us, how we've been brought into the family of God, how we are now going to be with God and those in our family that preceded us forever through love and grace as he reached out across eternity, and saved us. These are things that can never be taken away from you. Amen, church? You understand that? They can never be taken away from you. They are with you forever. This is why you should be brimming over with joy, brimming over with joy, so that when you meet somebody, when you greet somebody, they see this overwhelming passion of joy. You know, my doctor recently said to me, you know, John, you're different than most of the other uh, patients that I have. I have very many wealthy patients. But when they come in, they're downcast. They're sad. I can see it in their lives. But you, he said, you are joyful. You are happy. You are smiling. What's the secret? One word, I said. One word. One word. Jesus. Jesus. Now, unfortunately, I still can't get him to come to church. But I'm not going to give up. You understand? I'm not going to give up. Uh, And so the gospel tells us about what God has done through Jesus Christ. Why would God have sent his own son and bankrupted heaven to this world if it weren't critical? if it weren't needed, if he he didn't want us to have all of the fruit of the Spirit. This is why we have to be brimming over with joy. So when you get a bad day or a tough decision, I want you to remember one thing. Yes, it's a tough day, but God loves me. He holds me in his hand. I will be with him. I will walk with him, and he will walk with me every day. Look, we understand this. The gospel is not just a mechanism to get us to heaven it is the very mechanism that allows us to walk in an evil world you understand that it's the very mechanism that allows us to go to the doctor and hear some bad news to know he's with us that he doesn't abandon us that he will never abandon us Uh, and and so it is the good news of the entire bible uh, that god has accomplished all of this through christ now we love the assurance of the gospel story Uh, And we recognize that we are united in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Think about what God has done for you. When he saved you, it's not just that he saved you for heaven. It's that he saved you in this world to impact this world. Why else would he give you the fruit of the Spirit? Why else would his very Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus himself, be embedded in your heart for no other reason that the world would see it, that you would become a poster for who God is. And so by being justified by faith, we no longer face condemnation, and yet we can walk in the hope and joy uh, and presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Yes, there's going to be suffering. Yes, there's going to be bereavement. Yes, there's going to be accidents. Yes, there's going to be illness, but yet Christ will stay with you to the end of your life until you walk from this world to the next. That's the fruit of the Spirit. He's given it to you. Now, you have to continue to bring it up and burnish it and walk with it. I want you to look at this passage that really touched my heart in Habakkuk 3, verse 17. It's on the board. And here he was facing invasion by a foreign power, and everything was collapsing in uh, Israel. But look at what the prophet says Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Can you imagine writing that kind of epitaph? Look at it. There was nothing to celebrate there in terms of what the world would celebrate. Food had failed, crops had failed, Uh, the sheep were missing, Uh, the cattle were missing. Uh, they were facing impending, uh, invasion. And yet he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. You know, I had an upfront view of people that lived like this. I saw it with my parents and my grandparents. They had nothing of this world's goods. I told you that my, 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 uh, In my house, there was one bedroom. My sister had it. My parents slept in a dining room. I slept in the kitchen until I was 18. Yet I can tell you that my parents were filled with the joy of the fruit of the Spirit. Every day of their life, they were joyful. Uh, And and we had joy as a family because we loved each other, because we were serving God, and we recognized that I saw the same thing and my grandparents. You have a responsibility to bring this legacy to your family. Let your family, let your children see that in your life at all. Look, here's the deal. Our joy does not depend on circumstances. Let me repeat that. Our joy does not depend on circumstances, yet it remains a constant within our heart because God put it there. Look, he told his disciples to rejoice even when they were persecuted. Take a look, if you would, at Matthew 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Notice, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophet's who were before you. See the results of this command then in Acts 5. There you see it. He told them to rejoice when they're persecuted. Well, what happened when they were persecuted after the Lord went home? Well, you see it in Acts 5 verse 40. Uh, As they were brought before the Sanhedrin and were flogged, his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. That's how we live. Worthiness, because God knows who we are. Worthiness, even as we suffer. Worthiness, as we walk in this world, still having the incredible joy of the Spirit. Look, Christian joy is not just an emotion. It is an unbelievable, profound fruit of the Spirit that permeates in your life and is the faith, the expression of faith, and the promise of God in everything he has given us. Now, if joy if joy is an essential part of our walk with God, an essential part of the Spirit of God, why are we not joyful? Why are we not joyful? Why are so many Christians so miserable? Why is that? Uh, Well, maybe it's because we have forgotten what God has given us. Maybe we have become so inured to the blessings around us that that we've become numb, and we don't consider it, and we don't thank him, uh, and we don't remember the great gospel truth. Maybe we have forgotten what we were, before we became part of the family of God. Maybe we forgot of what it meant to be lost and outside of God's will. Uh, We need to review this in every way. Also, life is a serious business. It's a serious business. And God is commanding us, commanding us to be joyful. Uh, In reality, it is the duty of the Christian life in every way to walk with him. Part of the problem, I believe, is self-centeredness. You see, here's what happens with us. Uh, we tend to become self-centered. We look at our own problems. It becomes me, 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 I, I, instead of him, 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 him. All right? And when this happens, we are dragged down into this world. Look at what, what Paul said uh, to the Philippian church uh, in chapter 4, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There it is. That's the command of God. Rejoice in God always. Rejoice in him for what he's done. And when you rejoice, you automatically will be filled with his spirit that he's already given you. It'll be burnished in your heart. Now, what's the practical in a message like this? When you leave this church today, what are you going to think about Well, the first thing I would say to you is practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Thank God that he saved you. Thank God that he's called you. Thank God that he's brought you here to this church. Thank God that he's given you Christian brothers and sisters who love you. Be positive in your outlook of life. uh, And share the gospel. Share the gospel. You see, when you share the gospel... Uh, that enthusiasm of sharing the gospel permeates your own life. It spreads joy. Then make the best out of all situations. Yes, make the best. Try to be optimistic in your viewpoint of life. When you see the cup that's filled halfway, say it's half full. Don't say it's half empty, all right? Have that kind of positive outlook in every aspect of your life, knowing that God holds you. And he's taking care of you Uh, because it's so difficult to lead people to happiness when you're not happy. You know, there was a recent Harris poll that found that only one third of the people in the United States said they were happy. One third. Can you imagine? One third of the population alone said that they were happy. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have a responsibility to reach out to that other two-thirds. And the problem is this. Our lives have been defined by the world. We want our lives to be defined by God. You understand? I don't care about material possessions. I don't care about wealth. I don't care about relationships. I don't care about all those advertisements that you see on TV uh, that are ridiculous and phony. Uh, Instead, I care about what God wants, about the true Holiness of God, what he wants from me. That's how we have to walk. And when you do that, you're filled with joy. And give from yourself to others. Focus on the people that are in need. Reflect on the good Samaritan. You're called to be the good Samaritan. Focus on that need. Re- look at others. Forget about yourself for a while and look at the other guy and see what he needs. You have been created to give to others. Remember that. You have been created to give to others. God has given you the responsibility of being the messenger. So that is our responsibility. God wants you to be joyful in every part of your life. Uh, Be concerned about others. And as you're concerned about others the joy of the Spirit of God will well up in your life, and you will find that every day of your life will be more meaningful in every way. Amen, church? I'm going to close this message in prayer. Father, I thank you for this message on joy, on the fruit of the Spirit, Lord. We bow before your throne. We thank you for everything that you've given us. And Lord, I ask you now that as we consider this message that the fruit of the Spirit grow in our lives, in a more profound way that we can reach out to a world that is lost and show them what it means to be a Christian in every possible way. Lord, we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.